to the uh, Coffee Celebration. I'm your host, Wendy Steinberg, and today we are so lucky to have Amber Showalter as our guest. I'm going to read her um, little bio here, and you're going to be so inspired. You're going to go and get all of her books, okay? She was born to be a rock star, but also born completely toned down. So Amber Showalter learned early on to use the written as a weapon as an epitaph, as her own spoken siren song. Like, even that is amazing. Self-proclaimed type A personality and growing up punk, Showalter has been writing poetry since she was 15 years old. Her work takes the form of raw, harrowing writings, peppered with curse words, lovely, I love that, but also laced with streaks of vulnerability. Showalter isn't afraid to write what she thinks and isn't afraid to tell the reader exactly where she's been. While her writing styles have changed over the years, she never quite lost her edge. And in many of her poems, readers can see that punk kid with a big heart coming through her words. Showalter currently works as a nurse, with cardiology being her most well-versed discipline. Her lifelong career, as well as a few broken heart metaphors, infiltrate her writing as well. Her first book, The Carry-On Sing of, of Songs, is a mixture of her writing styles over the two decades and is divided into two parts in a cause and effect style. Her latest book, Esteemed Punk, is a collection of her earliest poems that take the reader on a dark journey, yet a journey that still needs to be traveled all these years later. And all the both books are available on so welcome. I am like, I am always impressed with the journey. Your journey is so fierce. Oh my gosh. So where are you from originally? Where am I from originally? Um, I am from Virginia and I have traveled and lived in a couple different areas. Uh, Charleston, South Carolina uh, being one of them, probably my favorite one. Um, but I always tend to venture back to where I'm from. So one would think I haven't been around much, but I have. Okay. Okay. Um, and so you're this gifted author because I've read some of your poems and they really resonate with the reader. I have to say that um, just straight away. It's just like I read a few over and over and just kept getting stuff from it. How did you segue from writing poetry to being a nurse? Like, was the nurse your best, was, was that your dream? Or like you go to college and you're just like, I don't know, how did that happen? So no, being a nurse was not my dream. And yeah. uh, being a writer was. And I actually worked at a bookstore in the cafe and it was during college and I had a customer that worked at a local hospital. And she said, you know what, Amber, I think you'd be a good fit on my floor. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. That doesn't really sound like me, you know? And, but I, I went ahead and applied and I gave it a shot and I loved it. And when I moved down to Charleston, South Carolina, I didn't do anything medicinal. I didn't work in a hospital or a nursing home or anything like that. And I missed it. Yeah. And so that's when I decided to go to nursing school. But I mean, of course, all this time, you know, I started writing poetry when I was in high school and all this time I was still writing. I just didn't know if I would ever do anything with it. So they were actually kind of two separate paths that ended up merging later after I became a nurse. So 
you work specifically with cardiac patients. Is that right? Yeah. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just like, isn't that scary? Like, and because the heart is responsible for so much of what our body needs. And if it's not healthy, like, how do you, I mean, I just know it, it's, uh, its function is irreplaceable. How do you work with patients who might not have a healthy heart, you know? Um, you know, it, there are varying degrees of it. So some people, you know, come in, like might need a stress test, have a positive stress test, might just need a stent plates in their heart to open it up and get a little bit better blood flow. Um, but then you start to see some of the same people over and over again, and they become your regular patients. Yeah. And it's, it's those people, um, yeah. especially if they're, if they're wonderful patients that, just get to you and you, then you see their struggle and you see them go downhill eventually and mm. sometimes it can be really heartbreaking yeah oh definitely um I have all these questions written out so okay. um in your bio like you said um you started writing at 15 um and those have created your most recent book esteemed punk and was writing poetry instead of making um, fiction or nonfiction the, the platform that spoke to you most? So it's the one that I stuck with. Okay. Uh, I actually started writing memoirs in high school. And I would get to like page something ridiculous, like page 250, and then just abandon them. Be like, eh, I'm done. I got a different idea. And so they never came to fruition. Nothing ever happened with them. And for some reason, I found being able to get the ideas concise enough to deliver a story and an emotion or a lesson into a poem. If I could do that, I could stick with it. And that's where I went with it. Wow. So you've created enough poetry for that first book um, that was the Carry On of Songs. I hope I'm saying that right. And it was published in February of 2020. Yes. And then we all know what happened in March of 2020. Yeah. So being a nurse, were you really on the front lines? And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was, um, I was able to do one poetry performance before everything shut down completely. And I was like, well, that's that's a great time to publish a book of performance poetry. That's awesome. But <laughs> <laughs> nursing wise, my area didn't get hit quite as hard at first. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of like went in little waves. But where we got hit the worst, I think, was the Delta wave, which I think was fall of 2021, I believe <laughs> um, that that was. I don't remember it. And I think that's just my brain protecting me. Um, mm -hmm. Every, every now and then, like I'll see a, like if a medical show is doing a COVID scene or something like that, it'll come flooding back every now and then it'll come out in my writing. And I know it was awful. And I think that's why I can't remember it, but it, it's like the scenes you see on TV. Like we would have our lists of patients um, in our computer setup, and 
when you go home for the day, you know, you log out of everything. But when you come back the next shift, your old patient list is still there. And more often than not, they were all dead the next day, the next time I came back. And it, it was, yeah, I, I don't think I've fully processed it yet. And there are things that happen. And I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, you probably haven't fully dealt with that yet. But um, I deal with it by writing. And so that's, again, where the nursing and the poetry merge. Mm -hmm. So, because the fall of 21 isn't so far away from, it hasn't, it's not so far, you know, behind us. And right. I was, my question then was, and you you touched on it briefly that you started to write poetry from them. Is that in one of the books that you've already um, published um, or is that something coming out? So you actually reminded me that I need to update my Amazon bio because I have three books out actually. Right, right. So you have um, Carry On of Songs, February of 2020. Then you have Esteemed Punk, January of 22. And then Death Will Be Our Curfew in October of 22, right? Yeah. Uh, Esteemed Punk was in 21. And then oh, Death okay. Will Be Our Curfew was 22. Yeah. Okay. So in any of, well, in, are any in, in those books, your poems about what transpired during COVID? Yes. Um the poem that comes to the, to my mind the most is the poem Seasons that is in Death Will Be Our Curfew. That one I solely wrote about COVID. And I wrote it in a time when I was just so tired and so fed up because we felt like we were doing futile work. Like there was nothing. You did everything to try to help everybody you could and nothing worked. And you, 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 you know, you can read articles or like, news briefings on COVID at the time. And you'd have all of these people who would be making these nasty comments. And that hurt. Like as a nurse on the front line, like I know you can't read the comment section and take it seriously, but I did. And so this poem talks about that some, about how all our efforts to help these people are just being mocked. And that was uh, one of the hardest parts during that time as well, I believe. There's a few other poems in Death Will Be Our Curfew that touch on it. Um, the poem Ashes, Ashes um, is written about uh, a patient who coded um, and who we couldn't get back. And uh, Birds of Prey, I also wrote at the very beginning of the pandemic um, because I was knowing that I was close to this stuff. I was so mm -hmm. afraid that I would inadvertently hurt someone like if I had the virus and I didn't know it I was afraid I would just pass by someone and like hurt them make them sick and then they would die like it, and that was in the beginning like we didn't know as much right, right. but you know the fear like everybody it was very hyped up we'd never seen anything like this and um so the poem birds of prey was written about that initial fear of accidentally hurting or killing somebody just by existing and you're working 12-hour shifts still, right? Yeah. You have all that PPE stuff on you. And from what, like, I remember back almost four years ago, you had, like, I mean, doctors and nurses were coming off with with just, like, marks on their face, mm -hmm. the masks. And 
you know, they would just go home and strip their clothes outside and go in. And I, I just can't imagine trauma from all that as a, as a, you know, nurse and then trying to bounce back from that. I, I don't even know how, how that was working for you. It's comparing it to then, like people will ask me like, Oh, how are you feeling about your job these days? And I'll just be like, it's not the height of the pandemic. It's great. Yeah. It's easy. We didn't realize how bad it could be. Yeah. And now we do. And so anything that is not the height of pandemic. You're, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So when did, cause I, I did see a few of your poetry, which are lovely. And I, I know there's a community of authors that go and do that. So when after COVID did that, um, you know, poetry readings begin again and how you were able to really um, key in on some of the poems you truly loved? Um, so the one of the things I was really disappointed about when The Carrying of Songs first came out was that I didn't get to have a book release party. Like, oh. This was my first book and I was so excited. It was my lifelong dream. Yeah. And then it completely got shut down. And in one of the pandemic lulls, um, I think in October of that year, I did a, a mutual book release with a fellow local author uh, who had written uh, an autobiographical account of his life. And we ended up doing a mutual outdoor poetry, prose reading, um, kind of since we had known each other from open mics previously. And also we worked at the same hospital. Yeah. So that was when I first was able to get back into the poetry readings. And I know I would gauge them like during how bad things were at the hospital. Like it, it was during one of our, our huge, you know, heights of COVID, I wouldn't go out and I wouldn't do live readings. I wouldn't do anything like that. But if it was a yeah. lull, I'm like, okay, this is okay. And then after the vaccines came out, I felt a little bit better about doing things because I knew at least I was doing my part to right. protect my community. Wow. So then I started, now I don't really even think about it, you know, I mean, COVID's still around. We still have it at our hospital, but it's not Me nearly yeah. acting as deadly as it had. It's more like the flu now. Um, okay. But so I don't really think about it with going out and, and stuff because, you know, I, I know that I've done what I need to do to protect those around me. And so it's picked up the poetry readings and it has, like it's, it's come back as. Yeah. I feel like most, most of the social aspect of it has come back to what it was uh, yeah. prior to the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. So with your latest book, um, esteemed punk, you're going back to when you were a teenager and looking at all your, your poetry. Um, when I personally did that, I cringed because <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking back then. Uh, how did you decide? Cause it's truly brave and courageous to do that. It really is. And how did you go back, um, and decide which poems you were going to publish and what was the process like of going back I don't know 15 years or I don't know how old you are but like to that for you and oh, way more than that <laughs> okay I, I wouldn't have to guess that but like what was that process like for you 
So the way that idea came about is when I did the carrying of songs, I went back through all of my old notebooks and I have saved every single one of them since I started writing when I was 15. So I had them all. And I noticed the further back I got, the more cringy it, it did get. Um, but I was, I was kind of like, I'm not going to use this in this book, but there's something here. And it's something I'm going to need to dive into later. Mm-hmm. And so after Caring of Songs came out and I just kind of started getting that inkling of, oh, I need to put another book out there because I get antsy if I don't. I was like, let's revisit this. And so I found all the earliest ones. And I found that when you put together the poems, they told a story. And I'm like, this is an important story. And I feel like it could really resonate with people who are going through the same things that I did as a teenager. And so I thought, let me see what I can do with it. And some of them were actually decent. Like some of them were, they were very lyrical, very, very much like that lines two and four rhyming pattern and I thought okay well this is okay and I would say that in a steampunk it's probably 85 to 90 percent of the original writings some I may have taken a stanza out here and there mm-hmm. or changed a rhyme if I felt the rhyme was too forced yeah um, mostly original work of course I didn't include all of them because like you said some of them were very cringe and um no one was speaking of my own right <laughs> Oh, I, I think we all feel that way, though. You know, you go back to your teenage writing and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I have those notebooks, too. I'm not going to open them. Um, <laughs> so then you get all of this, these poems. How many just did you decide to publish in that book? And what was the process of actually arranging poetry into a book? Because it's so different from like having a fiction book or something like that. And and you had said, like, it told a story. Mm-hmm. So how did that organization come to fruition? So for a steampunk, I pretty much went chronologically in the order that things happened. Because okay. um, that's, I mean, that's the way the story was. It was a very cause and effect type story. And so I organized them as they happen. And I think a steampunk kind of starts out slow, but I was very young and very naive. And, you know, if you don't have any real problems to write about, that's great. But it it gets very heavy towards the middle and the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There was something I read that, um, that uh, when you were a teenager, was there a stalking? um, Yes. I mean, I'm not sure if you want to talk about it, but um, yeah, I can talk that, about it. That that would be so scary for a 16 year old. You know, um, how did you handle that, and was it processed through your writing? I did not handle it not well. Um, <laughs> okay, so it actually at the time that it was happening, it was it was a this guy who was several years older than me. Um, I did theater in high school and it was after one of our theater shows, Um, you know, they have like that little program for theater shows that lists all the actors and, you know, like two sentence bio and that kind of thing. He found my parents' name in my bio, got our phone number and then just started (gasps) indefinitely calling. And 
it was just annoying at first. Mm-hmm. It was annoying until it started becoming an in-person thing, like pacing around the cafeteria, just glaring at me because I, I'd already told him I was not interested. And when he would call and nobody would answer, he would let the phone ring like 25, 30 times. Um, I eventually would unplug the phones. Mm-hmm. And I remember one incident and I wrote about it very briefly in a steampunk where my mom and I were at the grocery store and I saw his brother and I didn't see him but I told my mom I was gonna go hide in the car just Mm -hmm. in case and so I hid in the car and I kind of slid down the seat but I could still see out and it wasn't five minutes I saw him pacing around the parking lot looking into cars Mm -hmm. and like I slid all the way down to the floor and just waited there till my mom came back out. And eventually this tapered off and slowed down. And it wasn't until about a year later that I found out that he was actually arrested for rape. And then I was like, oh, I was like, could that have been me? Mm-hmm. Or should I have done something? Could I have stopped this? And that's when I started having like nightmares and flashbacks and things like that of the, the situation. Yeah. That's incredible. Oh my God. You know, it wasn't your fault though. Like, like I I know, but it's like, you know, I think we all have these thoughts and like, yeah. Situations like, could I have done something? Could I have fixed it? Could I have Mm -hmm. saved somebody? Yeah. Why did I do nothing? Well, Yeah. Um, that must have set, I guess, the stage for, I guess, future interpersonal relationships. I mean, did it really make you withdraw or, or how did that affect how, cause you are very authentic, which I love about you and you own it, you share it. It's amazing. But in a situation like that, I know myself, I would turn inward. I'm, I'm, I mean, how did that, because you're, glor- I mean, amazing. So, like, how did that happen? So, that is when I started self-harming because I just couldn't deal with the thoughts in my head anymore. And I found that doing that took away the emotional pain, like the physical pain made the emotional pain better and it would get out of my head. Yeah. Obviously that is not something that is a healthy solution. Um, Mm -hmm. I have since found healthy solutions like writing. I'm a runner. Um, Those things help me now, but at the time that was my coping mechanism. And I also, I started, I was always, I always dressed a little bit punkish, but I really started going more of like the goth, route at that time just because I'm like if I dress like I'm not approachable then the only people that are going to approach me are the people who actually care to know and so I started using that kind of as a defense mechanism as well well you have some great outfits on Instagram I love that (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like she is so stylish and like makes it happen oh my goodness so writing definitely came through with that situation as well, right? And it's yeah. in esteemed punk. So did you find a, an agent to help you publish? 
Are you self-published? Like, how does that work with publishing a book? So the first two books, The Carrying of Songs and A Steampunk, I self-published myself. The third one, Death Will Be Our Curfew, I worked with an indie publisher out of Seattle. Um, and I learned a lot from them. I learned a whole lot. I learned enough that I feel like I could self-publish again a little bit better. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I, I think I prefer the self-publishing route. I'm not looking for an agent. I'm not looking to traditionally publish. Okay. I like to have I like to have control over my writing. I'm always afraid that sending it to an agent or to a traditional publisher will be oh, well, could you change this? Could you make this work a little bit better? Oh, could you blah, blah, blah. blah. And then it's not your own anymore. It's right. not authentic, at least in, in with, with poetry, I feel that way. Um, so I'm, I'm perfectly content, you know, doing it myself because I know how to now. <laughs> and I did this publisher I work with, I learned so much from them. And they, they pushed me to do things that I wouldn't have done on my own. And it was stuff that I thought they would do. But they're mm -hmm. like, nope, little girl, you got to go do it. Go now. Go on. And I'm like, ooh. And oh. sometimes it was encouraging. And sometimes yeah. it felt like being pushed off a cliff. Yeah. But I did it. Yeah. And I learned a lot. And so it was a great experience. So you market your own books then? Yep. You get yourself on Amazon. And you put it on Instagram. Where else do you market your books on? Uh, I do have a Facebook author page, which I'm not as active on it because I find that I, I don't have as much interest on Facebook. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I find that I think my people are on Instagram, like yeah. the other poets and writers that I resonate with. Um, and like the mm -hmm. little community I, I feel we have built there is on Instagram. And so that's yeah. where I do most of my stuff. Um, I do advertise on Amazon. I'm sure there are many other routes I could go by, but I yeah. just haven't yet. Yeah. Maybe that'll come with time, but yeah. yeah. How long does it take? How long does it take for you to actually organize the book and get it ready to publish? Because you seem so fearless. Like to put your heart out there. I mean, I don't have that inner confidence you do, and that's pretty remarkable. So, how long does it take you to from beginning to end to get these books out? So for me, it takes me a good eight months to a year. Okay. Um, and that doesn't include the writing of them. Like the, the writing's already there. It's already done. But the compiling of it, the editing, like I, ah, commas drive me crazy. And I just <laughs> I get like so like engrossed in the commas that I can't find my way out. Right. Um, like I know some of my fellow writers can like put out like three books in a year and I'm like, how did you yeah. do that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because I can't. Like, after the first three, like, I took 2023 off from publishing. I, I needed a little bit of a break. But, like, to put out three in a year, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you are talented. Because I, I just, I'm so type A, and I'm so much of a list maker and a perfectionist that I have to know that what I'm putting out into the world is the way I want it and that I can take accountability for it if there is something in there that is not the way I want it. Mm -hmm. So tell me, where did you find this inner confidence that 
truly it exudes off you. What is, was that an intentional um, tapping into? I mean, through your poetry, so, it's amazing. What I always used to say, and I'm I'm not sure if this still rings true for me. I, it might to some extent. I used to tell people I have a great confidence, but a terrible self-esteem. And yeah, I, 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 oh, I berate myself all the time. I, I am so mean to myself. <laughs> it's truly awful. But like, I have this outward confidence. I did theater in high school and college, like, and you have to have that confidence. And if you don't have the confidence, you have to fake that you have the confidence. Because if you don't, it's going to show up in your performance, in your, you know, to your audience, to your life. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just, it's one of the th- those things that you have to fake it till you make it. And yeah. like, I never really thought of myself as brave, like putting my stuff out there. I know that when I wrote a lot of these things, I felt very alone. And I wanted to make sure that if I could put my stuff out there to help someone else who's in the same shoes, yeah. that they can realize that they aren't alone and that somebody else understands. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's not hard for me to be like, oh, here, everyone, here's my latest. Oh, here you go. Oh, here's another book, you know, because there might be somebody that needs to hear something that is in that book. Absolutely. And if they do, and it helps them have a better day, Mm -hmm. then I've done my job. That's amazing. So have you published all of your poetry up to date in your three books? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering because here you have this job as a nurse, which I know you work 12 hour shifts, I, mm-hmm. I assume, and then balancing everything. I don't even know how you do that. I mean, because you get off a 12 hour shift, don't you like collapse? I oh, mean, yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, 12 hour shifts, you have more days off during the week. So. Mm-hmm. You work three days a week. You have four days off. Mm-hmm. So usually one of those days is a, I can't function as a human days because okay. of, you know, the, the work life. Mm-hmm. But after that, you're ready to go. And for me, writing, it's not work. It's, I love it. Like I wake up and I'm like, I have lines going through my head or I have an idea that I want to run with or something it's not work to me. So it's, it's just like, I'm going about my day. Okay. So when I was um, gathering information for today, it's like you're using both sides of your brain. You know, some people are only good with creative and then technical, but you've got everything going for you. I mean, you're just like ready to go. Um, <laughs> are you creating another book then at this time or I am. Um, I I actually had an an idea for the fourth book mm-hmm. for a couple years, but it is going to take a little bit of uh, permissions that are a little bit beyond me to make it happen with the idea that I have, and I don't know if it's going to pan out. So I've actually have a backup plan for my fourth book that I've started delving into. Um, and I'm in the very, very preliminary. And by that, I mean, just this week. Yeah. 
starting to piece together the poems that I want to go in this book and how I want them organized and that kind of thing. So very, very preliminary stages. Like I said, this takes me like eight months. So, right. How do you select the poems that you're going to um, share at a poetry? I don't know what they're called. Is it a slam? Is it a poetry? I don't know what they call. I do. I go to a thing called Lit Nights. So it's a bunch of local writers. So some are poets, some do prose or novels or autobiographies, and they all just read snippets of their stuff for about five minutes. Okay. So the time constraint is a little has a little bit to do with it. I try to get at least two or three poems in. So obviously, I can't choose one of the longer ones. Uh, but. I don't know. I just, I go through my stuff and I try to find things that work good together and go from there. I've, I've changed my entire set last minute. Um, oh, wow. Based, based on an audience. Really? Because, yeah. Cause I think about it as a, when you're a comedian or a public speaker as well, you have to gauge who you're speaking with. Right. And, and it was a new venue I'd never been to before. And the poems I had picked, I just looked around and I'm like, oh, these aren't going to be well received. Yeah. And so I changed my entire set last minute and it was great. And so how many poems are in a set? Usually I try to do two to three. Um, if I'm at a place that doesn't have quite the time constraint, I'll do either one of the longer poems or put it up to four poems. Okay. Do you have a favorite poem? Oh, <laughs> Um, I have some that I like to perform more than others, uh-huh. I think because they flow a little bit better. Yeah. I, I recite my poems the way they sound in my head. Yeah. And so the ones that I can get a little bit of a rhythm going with, those are the ones that I like to do. I've heard other people read my poems before. And I'm always so floored about how different they sound when someone else reads them. Yeah. So it's just an interesting concept how our perception is also different. I was reading some in my head and I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so powerful. You know, um, and it, it just, how it's communicated the way that I was receiving what you learned. Um, do other people give you that kind of feedback as well? Where they're just like, oh my gosh, this spoke to me resonated with me um that that sort of feedback yeah I've I've heard people say that to me before which is great because that's what I'm going for right you know no matter what the topic is like if it's something that you've dealt with or are dealing with if something resonates with you that means you felt what I felt and you know that you're not alone which is so incredible because at 15, at 16, you do feel that way. And you mm-hmm. feel so isolated in, in a way. Um, and I also loved God. Because <laughs> in the yeah. same way <laughs> about it, it only allowed people who knew me to kind of approach me. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was lovely. Um, so, and I noticed you still kind of wear... Um, either leather or um, things, I don't know, you have a uh, beautiful wardrobe because everything is is very dynamic. And that I'm sure that's intentional, but um, I don't know. It's like you're still carrying that 
kind of strength with you with those. Yeah, and I, I always will. And that's, that's part of my, my, my imprint, my logo, grown up punk publications. Mm-hmm. I still feel like that punk kid. Yeah. You know, but people are going to, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter what people think, you know, look at a, somebody my age and be like, why are you dressing like a teenager? Oh, so no. I kind of still implement what I always love, like the leather accents, you know, the knee high boots, you know, just the unique pieces, because that's what I love. That's how I want to express myself. That's what draws me to it. Yeah. It means yeah. It's a part of self-expression. And that's so perfect because when you're working as a nurse, you have your outfit and now <laughs> you can change out of that and feel fully authentic as your true self. And I, I just really adore that. So would you be willing to read one of your favorite poems or, oh, or do not? I, have, okay. I can. I, I don't have them like right here in front of me. Okay. Um, I can do one I have memorized. I would love it. Okay. Oh, gosh. I say that now and I'm going to completely forget it in the middle. But I'm going to try it. If I mess up, though, I'm just going to call it and. Okay, this is, it's called Bailey's and Coffee. It is out of the Caring of Songs. And it is one of my favorite ones to perform simply because it's got that rhythm to it. And also it's got my one of my favorite lines that I've ever written in it. And okay. it is, this poem is like 18 years old. And it still to this day has one of my favorite lines in it. So, okay. All right. Swinging round a circle in the devil's toast to clarity. Liquors replace the coffee. That's why my writing is more free. The weaker I am, the stronger it gets. Pretty soon I'll have the whole world perplexed. That's including you, baby. Including me. If conversations were like coffee, they'd be getting a little stronger. Maybe over a cup or two, you'd stay a little longer. Coffee spiked or coffee plain, it's just in how you take it. Leaving liquor on the shelf, you'd think we'd finally make it. But the demonic toast to us makes things a little wrong here. Like spilled coffee on the carpet, our stains won't remove. Your ego is so daunting, all the things you want to prove. But I take my cocktails half and half. You say hello, and I just laugh. Because we were in this all along to lose. By the time my mind is closing, it's already two o'clock. And that just leaves you alone at the bar with my thoughts. The second hand says you shouldn't worry. And keeping up with me, there is no hurry. Because if there was nothing to begin, then nothing really can be lost. Holy Toledo. <laughs> I have goosebumps all over my body. <laughs> oh, and of course it's a coffee. Appreciate <laughs> That is remarkable. Which was your favorite line? Uh, by the time my mind is closing, it's already two o'clock. And that just leaves you alone at the bar with my thoughts. I've just always been so proud of that line. I don't know. I just feel like it's got such depth to it. If you really just sit and think about it, it just has so much depth. I don't even know where it came from. There's a whole vision to the poetry. You know, mm-hmm. you yeah. yourself in it, in the lines. Oh, that was lovely. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. And you just shut your eyes and you put yourself in it. Oh my gosh, that, oh my goodness. 
<laughs> do you do any sort of like writing workshops for people who want to? Oh, no. Yeah, and you know I'm not professionally trained for this, right? <laughs> and I think that's what, what is best. <laughs> There's so many people who would love to be published, who would love to take that next step. You know, I would rather connect with someone like you who's authentic and real and brings it to the table than have some doctor college guy, you know, critiquing me. Right, and, right. Oh, my gosh, you have such a <laughs> I mean, I know you don't have a lot of time to do these workshops, but I mean, I'm just thinking, what a, an incredible gift to share with people. I don't know what I would tell people. I like, I will go for months and not write a thing. But then if the lines start coming, like I have to get them out. And yeah. that is my whole process. Yeah. I don't know how to train someone to do that. You know, you just, everyone's yeah. got what works for them and you know, I don't like, I don't do like the prompts that you see people do poetry prompts. I, my no. brain just doesn't work that way. And like, I, I can't really do collaborations either. Cause again, my brain just, it won't let me. So do you but work, once, do you wake up once, at like 3 a.m. and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get this down? Sometimes. Um, <laughs> I wake up at 3 a.m. for work a lot because okay. a lot of my shifts are 3 a to 3 p usually. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I do wake up at that time, but a lot of, I don't know, the thoughts, they come random. A lot of the times I will get poetry lines in my head in the shower. And I'm like, I got, I got no place to write this down. And so I'm like writing in the shower scene with my finger. So I don't forget them. And I just got a waterproof notebook and it's hanging in my shower now. That's so that so cool. I can write lines down because for some reason it is always in the shower that they come to me. So... I'm, I'm prepared now. No more shower steam writings. That's amazing. <laughs> what kind of, I guess, advice would you give to someone who would love to be published, who would love to um, look at their own poetry and actually see something that is, um, like, I love how in, in your introduction, the word raw comes out because mm -hmm. that's such a piece of you. You know, that it's that word is just, it says so much, you know. Um, so for people who want to be published, who want to write and maybe have a stash of notebooks in my closet, <laughs> like, what would you say to someone, you know? You just have to write what comes. Yeah. And that is my process. And I know everyone is different. I mean, and it might be something terrible. It might not make sense. Yeah. It might just be something you go back in 24 hours and be like, oh, what was I thinking? Because I have a lot of stuff like that too. And that's just the stuff that doesn't get published. Wow. But, you know, you just got to write it. If it comes to you, write it down. Don't be like, oh yeah, I'll remember that. Because you won't. Write it down as it comes. If you've got like, if I just like read poetry or read lyrics without music, I start thinking in this rhythmic, lyrical poetry pattern. And at that point, I just have to write whatever comes. Like nothing will be in my head and I'll just start scribbling stuff. And that's kind of what you have to do yeah. is like if, if you have any inkling of something that you need to get on paper, put it there. Go back to it later. If you need to edit it, great. If you think it's not usable, oh, well, something will yeah. be. Yeah. 
you know, you just have to do it enough that you, you have your material and yeah, I just, I, I get so inspired by, by the people on Instagram in the poetry community. Like they have inspired me to write. And so some of the things like I'll, I'll read other people's posts or their books, and then I'll have to start writing because I'm inspired and what comes out comes out. Yeah. And that's, that's the way I work. And I would just advice is just write what you think, write what you feel, write whatever comes. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I um, am so like smitten, I have to say, with what your poems are and what I've read and what I've seen you read. Um, that I'm going to have to get a steamed punk. I have to. So um, I would love to have you again after I read some of your books. Okay. And would that be okay with you? Because absolutely, I am just. I don't know. You have such a gift for the vision that you create. Amber, I'm telling you, like when you just read that poem, my whole body just got goosebumps. I saw myself in the poem. I mean, not every writer can transport the reader there. And you did that. And so I am going to be using self-care and buying that book. And that'll be <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You don't understand, like, with the world it is today, to tap into something so authentic and real, it, it kind of reinforces that it's not so bad out there, you know? Um, and so that's going to be my treat to myself. So if you're willing to get back on with me in a month or so or a little bit longer, I would love to pick your brain. Absolutely. Again. Yes, I would love to. Oh, my gosh. You're a gem, really. And... I wish you continued success and I'm going to get that book after we're off and then we'll get back on at a later date. If that's okay. okay that sounds great. Oh my gosh. Amber, really? I'm following you on Instagram. I'm going to send the link when I post this. Everybody's going to love you. Absolutely. Oh, thank, thank you. you. So <laughs> Absolutely. Be well and have a great day. Okay. Thank you. You thank too. You. Thank you so thank much, Wendy. You.